What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 31 of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. Um, after a week off, a um, lot happened in the NHL, especially right now at this moment. Um, it looks like there's going to be a pretty big trade that's going down by the end of the night, possibly into tomorrow. Um, and it looks like Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames is going to be moving to the Vancouver Canucks for what is not known at this moment. But it looks like Andre Kuzmenko is going to be going the other way to Calgary. And it's unclear at this time whether Chris Tanev is also involved in this trade, um, going back the other way to um, to Vancouver. We, we've heard the, you know both of their names being Lindholm and Tanev, um, being involved in trade talks that Calgary was going to possibly try to move both of them by the trade deadline. And it looks like Craig Conroy is going to get a pretty good return. Um, I really like Andre Kuzmenko. Um, and it it seems to me multiple reports that they're also going to be receiving some picks. Um, so, it, you know, it's it, it's unclear right now the details of the trade, but it is looking like Elias Lindholm is going to be headed to Vancouver. There were, you know, there were whispers throughout the week and, and throughout the past couple weeks that, you know, the New York Rangers were um, in, you know, in talks, interested in um, Lindholm services, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, so there is one center that is off the board um, as far as, you know, trade trade bait for, you know, other teams. And I think this is a really good, good trade, especially if um, Calgary is able to bring in a guy like Andre Kuzmenko, a young talent. Um who who still really hasn't come into his own yet, but this is this is really a huge move, um, you know, for both teams. Good for, um, you know, especially especially from Calgary. I mean, getting a young player like uh, Kuzmenko, and we'll see if if these are two separate trades. But it, it at this time it's unclear. Um, so we'll definitely keep, um, you know, keep in the loop of that. Um, it's crazy. It's it's so crazy to see um, just the the revamp of this Calgary Flames team, um, all the players that they've lost um, over the past couple of years. I mean, Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monahan is now playing in Montreal. Obviously, Matthew Kachuk was involved in that huge trade um, that sent you know Huberto um, from the Panthers over to the Flames. Um, now Elias Lindholm, Sam Bennett, Michael Frolik. Um, Mark Giordano, TJ Brody, these are, you know, huge, huge names. I mean, you know, not so much for leak, but, um, you know, the, these are huge pieces that they moved, um, and are, you know, bringing in other assets to kind of start this rebuild. Um, I like this trade for Calgary though. We'll see how it pans out and what ends up being the, um, the final trade and we'll, we'll see what, you know, what else they, they bring in. Um, this is going to be definitely, it doesn't look like who knows how, you know, uh, and I am just reading now from Darren Drager, literally as I'm recording now, this is kind of hilarious, but Darren Drager is reporting as of a minute ago that he believes that Hunter Bruskevich is also part of the deal back to the flame. So another young piece. Um, and this is a this is a fleece by Calgary in my mind. 
if they if Hunter Brustevich or Brustewich definitely botching his name, no doubt about that. I know he's a phenomenal prospect um, along with Kuzmenko. This is a fleece for Calgary. This is an absolute fleece. Um, being a Bruins fan, this is the exact same thing. I was really hoping they were going to avoid by not giving up valuable young assets. And yeah, we dodge a bullet for sure because that is that is a haul for sure. Um, especially if picks are going to be involved. That's a huge trade. Um, you know, and it looks like, you know, Sweeney for, for, for now is kind of standing pat. Obviously we got a lot of de decent amount of time before the trade deadline, but we kind of knew Elias Lindholm was going to be a, uh, an overpay, right? I mean, there's nowhere, there's, there's no telling what the Bruins would have had to give up, um, you know, to bring in a guy like Elias Lindholm. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty penny that, you know, Vancouver is willing to give up for a top six center. Um, so it looks like that's, that's kind of the market right now. Um, that's a huge trade. That's a, you know, that's a win for Calgary in my mind. Um, great trade. I mean, that's, that's awesome trade. Um, but we're going to, you know, we're going to keep, keep pushing through this. And as if we're, if I'm recording still, um, and we get breaking news. I'll definitely, you know, push that out. Um, but yeah, so kind of moving on. Um, unfortunate news um, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, announced today that uh, rookie Adam Fantilli is going to be out eight weeks with a lacerated calf. Um, just, a, just a brutal blow for these rookies. You know, it first started with Bedard in the jaw injury. Um, now... Adam Fantilli with his the lacerated calf, um, you know, having a, having a pretty good season. I mean, he you know he's got twelve goals, twenty seven points in 40, uh, 49 games so far. Um, third on the team in points, fourth in both goals and assists. Um, he's been one of the bright spots for this for this uh, struggling Columbus team. Um, you know, it it was de he was definitely going to be up in the running for the Calder Trophy along with Bedard. And it kind of opens things up now with, um, you know, with both Bedard and Fantilli on the shelf. It kind of really opens up things for, um, in my mind, Minnesota Wild rookie Brock Faber, um, who I think you got to think at this point with with both those guys on the shelf for a significant period of time that he's, you know, he's going to be the favorite for the uh, Calder if he keeps up this pace that he's on. Um, he's played extremely well for Minnesota um, on their blue line. Um, he, he was a really good pick for them. Um, so he's, he's my pick right now. And just honestly, unfortunate news. It was such a, such a bizarre injury. It didn't really look like anything at first when I looked at it, kind of just looked like a normal hit. And then you could just tell he was in some serious discomfort. Um, he was delivering a hit on, uh, Seattle Kraken forward, Jared McCann. Um, and it looks like McCann's skate kind of came up a little bit and obviously ended up getting a, a lacerated, uh, Lacerated calf, so just brutal news for the, um, you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who right now sit at 16, 24, and 10, um, 15 points out of the final Eastern Conference playoff spot, um, and 12 points clear of the Chicago Blackhawks for the fewest points in the NHL. Um, so just brutal news for Adam Fantilli, um, you know, hope, hoping him the best and um, hoping he'll, you know, get back out there soon. It's I mentioned before eight weeks. Um, 
just just brutal for these rookies, man. Like, um, you know, the jaw injury, obviously, that was a clean hit by Brendan Smith. And then this just, you know, it really opens things up for these rookies, um, these other rookies, Leo Carlson, Brock Faber, um, I mean, just to name a couple. Um, so this Calder race is going to be wide open in my mind. Um, so kind of moving on to, you know, want to talk some um, college Obviously, a um, lot of lot of big things happening in college hockey right now. Um, breaking news as of four hours ago: um, University of Maine and head coach Ben Barr agreed to an extension, and, and this is such a great move for this U Maine program. Um, obviously, Barr has taken them to you know new new heights, um, and this Maine program seems to be you know back at it. I mean, back in the you know. Back being relevant, um, you know, there was a tough go for, for many years um, where they just haven't been the, you know, the humane team that they used to be. Obviously, right now sitting at 16-4-2 with a 7.73 win percentage, um, you know, and, and playing really well in conference to a, a very good Hockey East um, div- division conference where... You got these teams, you know, BC, BU, just to name the top two. Obviously, BU gets upset last night against Northeastern, but still a solid team and um, one of the top teams in the country. But UMaine is no slouch either, sitting at 8-3-1 and one in the conference. Um, obviously, Northeastern is going to be, tra- um, you know, playing. They're going to be playing um, UMaine this weekend. Obviously, right before the bean pot um, at Northeastern, so that's going to be a really good game. Especially Northeastern riding a three-game winning streak, coming off this huge win over BU, and just an incredible game, um, right down to the end, overtime. Um, just a just a great game, but great extension for you know for this UMaine program. Um, they've had some really good bright spots. Uh, Bradley Nadeau, um, obviously, they're I would say their best player. He's been incredible this season. Um, one of those guys that I was really surprised who was left off that World Junior Canada roster. Um, I was shocked that he was, and I talked about this with Pierre Maguire, um, just shocked that he was left off that roster because he has been dynamic in this, um, you know, for UMaine this season. Um, you know, so, so again, great, great get by, you know, great extension for the UMaine program. Um and good for good for Ben Barr as well. I mean, he's again, he's taken that program to you know new heights, and good to see them back, uh, back you know back relevant again. And um, just really excited about this program. Really fun to watch. I mentioned earlier that uh, the Bean Pot is going to be played on Monday. Um, the first game being the Harvard Crimson versus Northeastern at five p.m. Um, the first game of the bean pot, which means that BU and BC is going to be faced. They're going to be facing off in the second game, which is going to be absolutely electric. I'll be, you know, in attendance. Um, cannot wait for that. Uh, you know, that game, those two games, they're going to both be awesome. Um, you know, mentioned Northeastern's playing really good hockey right now. Um, coming off a huge win. Um, and then obviously just seeing all the star talent, between the BC and BU team. I mean, the amount of draft picks these, you know, these two teams have obviously leading the way um, projected first overall pick this year, Macklin Celebrini. 
um, for BU, just dominating, right? He's He's been an unreal um, freshman talent for them, you know. Um, and then, you know, going on to the other side uh, with BC, you mentioned that that freshman line, the national development team line uh, with Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, and Gabe Perot all playing incredible this year. Um, you know, Cutter Gauthier as well, who made the news a few weeks back with that trade to Anaheim. Um, obviously, Jacob Fowler playing insane hockey, um, really, really playing well for these for these Eagles of uh, Boston College. He's he's bailed them out of a few games here, and um, obviously, him being a third round pick is. I heard the Chicklets boys uh, talking about it today. The fact that he was a third round pick is just insane to think about. Um, definitely should have probably gone a lot higher. And, um, you know, Witt kind of mentioned, uh, you know, Dominic Hasek in the same sentence, um, which, you know, this, this guy is, he's the real deal for sure. I, I completely agree with that. Um, and then, you know, going back to BU, obviously Lane Hudson, um, on the blue line, Tom Melander's having a good year, um, as a freshman, um, it's just going to be an incredible game. And the fact that one of these teams is not going to be in the Beanpot finals is, is crazy to think about. Um, my prediction for the two games, I'm going to take uh, Northeastern beating Harvard 5-2. Um, and then I think I think BC wins over BU. I think it's going to be a, a tight game. I'm going to say 3-2 BC. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tight game, I think. It, Really good hockey. I'm so excited for. Uh, I'll do another prediction for the uh, the championship um, next week as we get closer to the final, um, just to see how you know this prediction does. Um, obviously, we don't have a whole lot going on right now. Um, everyone's pretty much off for the All Star break. Um, the All Star game that's going to be held in Toronto. Um, you know, with the All-Star game, the skills competition, there's two game there are three games on the slate tonight um, before there's no more games um, for the next, like, almost week. Um, but right now, the Senators are, are beating the Wings right now 2-1. Um, the Kings are taking on the Predators. You know, shout-out to Alex Turcotte, scored his first uh, NHL goal. Um, electric Selly. Um, so good to see this kid, you know pot in his first incredibly talented kid i think he's you know caught some slack um but yeah he's incredibly talented kid he's going to be a really good player for this king's uh, organization um and then the late game is going to be the ducks taking on the sharks so those are the three games um tomorrow or tonight rather um and then tomorrow is going to be the at eight o'clock it's going to be the pwhl three on three um, or three versus three um, tournament where Team King is going to be taking on Team Kloss. Um, so you can check that out. It's going to be on ESPN Plus um, if you guys have that. Um, really excited about this. You know, hopefully this weekend being in Toronto, I'm hoping to see, you know, a lot of good hockey and um, see how this All Star challenge pans out. Um, you know, usually I'm not a guy who, who watches it. Um, I'll watch maybe a little bit of the skills competition, but the all-star game has been kind of meh to me. Um, just kind of puts me to sleep a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, you know, and then these other, the other players who obviously aren't 
you know, they're taking vacations and, uh, you know, kind of recharging. So good to, uh, good for them to get a little bit of break, um, you know, this week. Um, kind of going through some other news um, that happened throughout the week. Um, Carolina Hurricanes goalie, um, Frederick Anderson, he returned to the ice today. Um, he's on a limited uh, on-ice conditioning to, you know, work out his, um, you know, he's still obviously in recovery from his blood clotting issue. Um, he's been sidelined since November. Um, so it's really good to see, you know, Freddie back on the ice. Um, you know, he, in a quote that, you know, talking to reporters, he, he said, I, I'm thrilled that I'm, I'm a step closer to joining my teammates and competing on the ice. I feel grateful for the help and support I've received from my family and doctors, as well as the entire Hurricanes organization. So again, great to see him back out there. Um, I'll be excited to see, um, you know, him get back on the ice and, and get back to it. Um, and really help this this Carolina team, um, you know, for for a playoff run down the stretch. I mentioned he hasn't played since November second. Um, he started off four and one with a two two point eight seven goals against average and an eight ninety four save percentage in just six starts. Um, so I, you know, Carolina's really really hoping he comes back soon. Obviously, not at the expense of his health, but it looks like things are trending in the right direction. That's that's great to hear. Um, some other, you know, sad news, um, you know, not sad, but just something you never want to see someone go to, uh, you know, go through is some other unfortunate news for the Columbus Blue Jackets as forward Patrick Line entered the NHL, NHLPA player assistance program to receive care for an undisclosed issue. Um, this, this announcement was made this past Sunday, um, and he's going to be out indefinitely while he's getting uh, some treatment. Um, he released a, a long statement on Instagram, on his personal Instagram, so you can definitely go check that out. Um, but the gist of it being, um, after careful consideration discussions with my support network and the team, I have recognized the, import the importance of prior prioritizing my health and well-being. Um, hockey is my passion and my life, but I've come to realize that in order to perform at my best, I need to take this time to focus on myself. So obviously we wish, um, we wish Patty line a, you know, the best and, and obviously a speedy recovery and hope, uh, you know, he can get back to the, uh, entertaining line a that he is, um, put pucks in the back of the net. Um, so yeah, wish him the best. Um, hopefully he can, you know, get through this pretty quick. Um, so the the last thing I wanted to because right now we're sitting at almost 20 minutes. Um, the last thing that I wanted to touch on um, kind of I would say I guess a difficult thing to talk about obviously being um, that we're very limited on information right now. Um, but so we know right now that, um, obviously you guys probably heard the news, um, this, this past week. Um, obviously it's been an ongoing thing since 2018. Um, four NHL players were charged with sexual assault in London, Ontario on Tuesday. Um, their respective legal teams, uh, announced. So the lawyers for Philadelphia Flyers goalie Carter Hart, um, Calgary Flames forward Dylan Dubé, 
And then uh, two members of the New Jersey Devils, Michael McLeod and Cal Foote, um, they were all granted a leave of absence, um, you know, rec told to turn themselves in um, to London police to face charges of sexual assault. Um, yeah, th this this whole thing has been kind of weird. I mean, especially I think for me, the, the weirdest thing is this, the timeline of this um, Calgary Flames statement with Dylan Dubé. Um, you know, it was released that they didn't know that they, that he was going to be facing charges. Um, so he said that he was going to be granted a leave of absence for mental health reasons. Um, that was the original statement that was made. Um, so, okay. I, we'll get to that after. Um, some, some news with the trade, but I don't, you know, I don't want to stray away from this news. Um, you know, cause this is something really serious that, you know, people should be talking about. Um, but yeah, the Calgary Flames came out with a statement and said, uh, we have now become aware of the charge of sexual assault that has been laid against Dylan Dubé. We take this matter very seriously. Because the matter is now pending legal proceedings, we will have no further comment at this time. We had no knowledge of pending charges at the time Dylan's request for a leave of absence was granted. Just just a bizarre thing. Just the the way everything kind of was laid out. Um, just, just really a bizarre series of events um mention alex formington was one of the first ones to um turn himself in he was playing professionally in switzerland um reported back to london was the first one to um turn himself in um obviously there's going to be it, it, this, this whole thing is just crazy i mean it's it's 2024 now and we're, we're dating back to 2018 and um just a just a really unsettling uh situation um you know i mentioned you know the police department of london launched an investigation in 2022 after tsn reported that hockey canada had settled a lawsuit with a woman who had said she was sexually assaulted by eight members um of that team after a gala celebrating their gold medal win in the 2018 world juniors um i mentioned those those four guys um five rather um including formington um yeah obviously they're going to be you know they're going to be do, doing their due diligence and i don't want to get into the law side of things because i'm not too well versed um but, you know, the facts being the NHL completed its own investigation of the incident, but has not made the results public. Uh, NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly said Tuesday that the league would not be commenting on any of this um, as the legal proceedings, you know, go forward. Um, just a really unsettling story. I think this whole thing is just crazy. It's 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 unfortunate. Um, you know, hope hope the, the woman involved gets justice and. Um, obviously, it can be pretty triggering for people and um, victims of sexual assault. Um, obviously, my my heart goes out to you guys and um, willing to support any way I can. This is just, yeah, it's just unfortunate. It's one of those things that it's hard to have that talk about this stuff, you know, being just me right now, kind of just rambling on. But it's, you know, it's good to see that, the, you know, there's going to be a, a trial. and. Um, 
you know, hopefully there's some justice and um, the, the victim can start the healing process. And um, I don't know if it's something you ever heal from, but, um, you know, my heart goes out to her and um, her family, her, her loved ones. And hopefully this, this trial will bring out the truth. Um, and, you know, the truth always prevails. I'll say that much. Um, so, you know, it looks like these players have turned themselves in. So we will definitely see what, what happens with this. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of pivot over a little bit. I had mentioned earlier in the episode, um, a massive trade that's going down. It looks like right now the Chris Tanev is not involved in this trade. Um, the, the, the actual trade is now released um, from the Calgary Flames um, Twitter account as of 14 minutes ago. And it looks like the Flames are going to acquire Andre Kuzmenko, Hunter Brustevich, Johnny Yanni Yermo, a 2024 first-round pick, and a conditional fourth-round pick in, in exchange for uh, Elias Lindholm, who's going to be headed to Vancouver. That That is a haul. Um, I think this is a huge win for Calgary. Um, that's a phenomenal trade. You're getting multiple assets along with a 2024 first round pick with this class being as loaded as they are. That's an incredible, incredible haul. Um, great trade for Calgary. Um, you know, as a Bruins fan, I'm kind of happy because I can't even try to put this into to terms as far as what the Bruins would have had to given up to make this trade work. Um, and it's just too much. Um, it, it's just too much for what I'm reading through, you know, Twitter right now, Bruins Twitter. And it, it seems like everyone's, you know, celebrating so hard and, um, you know, that that's a haul. It's a crazy trade. Um, crazy, crazy trade, but yeah, that's the detail of it. I'll say it again. Um, Canucks acquire Elias Lindholm. Um, and heading to Calgary is going to be a 2024 first, a conditional 2024 fourth. Andre Kuzmenko, Hunter Brustewicz, and Yanni Yermo. That's a it's a great trade, and that's reported by Frank Zare, uh, Frank Saravelli. Um, you got to think. I mean, you that's a lot to give up for a rental. Um, that's a haul. Um, it's, it, I'm reading through a lot of these comments. It just say, it just seems like this is a this is a very big haul for for a, a rental. Um, no guarantee that he's going to re-sign in Vancouver. Um, so we'll see how it pans out. Obviously, Vancouver's trying to make a run. Um, they feel like they're they're in a good spot where um, they're a piece or two away. And wow. Um, monster pickup i'm reading the empty netters uh you know shout out to them chris and dan powers um reading through it is a monster pickup for the canucks as well as calgary i mean calgary is in a position right now where they can have a pretty uh pretty high draft pick this year and um we'll see how it goes and and see where they end up but they also acquire another another pick um great trade um this is just a great hockey trade it makes sense it's a lot to give up, but it definitely makes Vancouver better down the middle. Um, and, you know, Lindholm's going to help them make a run um, this year in the playoffs. And, and Calgary gets their prospects in return, a 2024 
first. Um, good trade. I mean, this is this is by far this is not going to be the last trade that we see um, of this magnitude. Um, but yeah, that that pretty much wraps up after a week off. Um, it's great to be back. Um, great to be back talking hockey as always. Um, I've gone live on TikTok a couple times through the Drop the Mitts account. Um, you know, just talking puck with you guys and um it's a lot of fun i'm gonna you know probably do a lot more lives and um you know just try to interact with you guys a lot more um but we do have an interview i mentioned earlier in the episode um awesome kid we you know we had been trying so hard back and forth to, to make something work and obviously with schedules just being as busy as they are we um never were able to make it work but finally we're able to sit down today and um you know talk some bean pot um you know just talk local hockey lawrence academy kid which one of my favorite ranks to play at in mass is, is lawrence academy um or you know getting ready in the trailers and then walking over to the rink it's just you know it's one of those staples of my you know young playing career um, remembering walking over from the trailers and then, you know, playing a game and then walking back in the middle of the winter is just, just awesome. Um, but yeah, so, so we do have, um, from Northeastern, their alternate captain, um, Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. He was pivotal in that four, three win over North or over Boston university. He had the primary assist, um, on a great deflection, um, by Dylan for I, I hope I say it right. I can never pronounce um, I got to check the game notes on, you know, these guys, last names, um, but incredible tipping goal. Um, it was a huge win. They've had a couple of huge wins this year. Um, obviously over Boston college when they were ranked number one, they were super close to beating the defending national champions in, in Quinnipiac. Um, they're on a three game heater right now. Um, obviously playing Maine this weekend and getting ready for the bean pot on Monday. Um, so without further ado, bring you from Northeastern, their alternate captain forward, um, and Nashville Predators prospect, Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. Take care, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. Fresh off a 4-3 overtime win over the number three Boston University Terriers and a two-point night, best name in college hockey, uh, Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. How you doing, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me, man. That w talk about that game last night. Incredible game. Uh, got to watch the whole thing, and obviously, you know, you had the primary assist uh, at the end of that that game on uh, Dylan. Oh, I can never pronounce his name. Um, oh, Ritzkovian. Yeah, unbelievable goal that deflection, right? And and looked like you kind of just put the puck on net. Talk us through that play, and uh, you know, that's a huge win for you guys. Yeah, I think you were saying like the they're the number three team in the country, like deservingly so. They have a lot of really high end talent, like Celebrini and Lane Hudson. <laughs> they have the puck on yeah. their stick. It seems like the whole game. Um, so it's obviously really hard to shut them down. But um, it was a really good game, up and down the ice. And uh, we, we jumped out in the third period, and we had three goals. And I thought we were going to run away with that. We were up three one, and but uh, they do it like good for them. They they came back and they tied it up late. But yeah, like in that overtime. Um, like I knew we had a man up on the power play. We were running out of time. I think there was only like 30 seconds left in overtime. So I kind of wanted knew like that I wanted to get the puck towards the net. And it was just an unbelievable tip by uh, Dylan there on the back in the back in the back door. And you know he's having a, a great year so far. And he just he's just gonna keep lighting the lamp. I think. Yeah, you know, you being one of the leaders of that team, like what's the what's the game plan going into a game like this? Obviously, you mentioned all this talent that they uh, 
that BU has. You know, obviously everyone in college hockey and hockey as a whole, talking about Macklin Celebrini, um, you know, Lane Hudson being one of the best defensemen in the country. Um, what, what was the game plan going in trying to, you know, slow these guys down um, and being able to keep them relatively quiet all game? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, like it's it's hard to keep those players quiet or like not uh, or shut them down completely. They're gonna obviously gonna get their chances. They're such high end talents. They're gonna be playing in the National Hockey League for years on years. Um, but you know, our game plan didn't change too much. Uh, I knew that we knew that like with our game plan that we've been focusing on and we've been building on for the past couple of weeks that we if we played to the high end talent that we know we can, we can compete with any any team in the country. And I think that showed when we beat BC. And they were the number one team in the country uh, in December, and um, and then also like we barely lost to Quinnipiac uh, a couple weeks ago, so I think that like we're sitting in a really good spot. Obviously, our record doesn't show too uh, too well with how we're doing, but I think the following games that we have coming up is just gonna really show that what we what we're capable of. Yeah, you guys, you mentioned those huge wins that you guys have, and currently you guys are on a three game heater. Um, you know what's been going right for you guys. Um, you know, as one of the leaders on the team, um, you know, what's been, been your message to, uh, the rest of the guys, like what's, what's been going right for you guys? Yeah. I mean, obviously like we, at the beginning of the year, we had a lot of injuries that go through. So it's obviously hard to, you have a lot of guys jumping into spots that they've never really been into. They got, we're switching around lines a lot. So it's hard to get into a flow, but now that we have our guys starting to come back and we're starting to get comfortable with each other, getting lines comfortable. Uh, just really a message of playing a 200-foot game and buying into, like, our systems and, like, playing a northeastern style of hockey. If you've ever been in, like, our locker room or been in, in like, the, the dressing room of northeastern, you would see, like, all these these statues that we always have and like, these levels that we always need to go to. And um, we always just always stick to our systems and, like, we follow. And, like, you always want to uh, play for the guy next to you. And we hold each other to those standards. So I think uh, everyone's starting to really focus on that and it's just really starting to show on the ice, I think. Yeah, you know, and, you know, this, this time that you guys are getting hot right now couldn't come at a better time, uh, especially with the bean pot coming up. You know, my favorite tournament of all, like, to go watch. Um, you know, coming this Monday, you guys are going to be taking on Harvard. You guys got the uh, 5 o'clock slate. Um, for people who who don't really follow hockey in mass um, or New England or whatever, so, like, how much does this tournament mean to you guys? Um, obviously, you know, it's one of the biggest tournaments in, in Massachusetts, you know, other than the Hockey East. Um, and then to caveat, caveat off that, um, you know, this is your fourth year at Northeastern. Um, some incredible mem- memories, I assume. I mean, there's been some incredible finishes, um, you know, during these past four years. What's been your favorite memory um, of the Bean Pot? Yeah, I mean, um, so starting off the, to that first part of that question, um, I mean, the bean pot's everything. It means everything to the school, to this team, to the coaching staff, everything. But it really just, like, this is a great jump start to get you going towards playoffs. Um, there's only so many more games after the bean pot before playoffs starts. And it just really, uh, it's the first trophy that you can really earn. And it, it kind of just jump starts you right, right away towards the playoffs, which is huge. But um uh, the next part of that question is though it's uh, there's so many good memories with playing the bean pot. It's it's everything you live for. Like I remember going to the bean pot when I was like six years old yeah, with, my, with, with my parents watching yeah. the games and seeing Kevin Hayes and all those guys play. Yeah. So uh, it's it's weird sitting in that shoe now and like it's gonna be my last bean pot. So it's obviously uh, it's funny looking back, but uh, 
I mean, it's hard not to look back at that memory last year of winning that bean pot, being able to hold that trophy over your head. It's something that I'll live, I'll always remember, and I'll always have those guys with me. Like, they'll be brothers for life because of that. And it's something like one of our assistant coaches, uh, Jason Guerrero, he played here at Northeastern, and he never got a chance to win a bean pot. And when we finally won one that last year, it was the it meant the world for them. And he, when he like held that trophy over his head, he, he legit said like it was like he was lifting it for all thirty of his teammates. But so it's it's just so cool. It just means so much to the alumni, the student body. It just means everything. Have any have any of the guys reached out to you? Like we had a, a few weeks back, we had uh, Aiden on, um, and obviously I had to ask him about you know the bean pot. Do any of those guys, uh, as we get closer to Monday, reach out at all uh, and kind of give you any tips, advice? Yeah, obviously, like once the it starts to get start leading up. I, I mean, I had a, one of my buddies from last year. He uh, thought the bean pot was last Monday, so it was kind of oh. funny. But <laughs> but he was sending me good luck text and everything. But it just shows you, like, everyone just falls on. It's just that first Monday in, in February. Yeah. Um, everyone just knows it's bean pot time, especially if you grew up in that New England area. Yeah. But, I mean, everyone starts kind of reaching back out around this time, just saying good luck and just knowing that they're there watching and just, just, just to do, like, what we know what we, we're capable of. Because, I mean, we've won the last – I think four or five. So I think uh, we're doing pretty good over here. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, as far as having like the five o'clock slate, um, obviously, you know, being able, you know, to have that opportunity to play in this tourney. Um, do you have a preference as far as like playing the five o'clock slate rather than like, you know, the later game? Because I feel like I don't know as far as like because I can remember even the five o'clock games having like huge student sections, like regardless. But I mean, once that second game rolls around, the entire garden is just packed um do you have a preference as far as like what time or does it not really you know matter to you well for me personally uh this will be my first time i got the the early game in my career here yeah. so um uh it'll be kind of news to me and like everything how it's going to be i mean i hope that we still have a student body that shows up and we still have a good crowd I, usually our doghouse uh shows yeah. up pretty well for the bean pot um i don't know how well harvard will do they usually don't have the best but um <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm i'm sure bcbu that that game will be packed later that night yeah. um, with the with the them being number 1 and number 3 in the country right now um but i mean obviously you want that later game cuz playing in front of those many people is so much fun but yeah. like i think when we we just went and played in the Milwaukee tournament um pretty recently and we had the earlier game and i think it obviously helps with uh just be able to rest a little bit but i mean you we have a full week until we play so I think everyone kind of has a little bit of time to rest up. So it doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. And like kind of talking about like, obviously you guys must all be so fired up for it. Like what, what's the message to the guys? Like, obviously you don't want to get to, you know, obviously you were, you know, it's Wednesday right now and you got a few days. Um, you just had that huge win last night. Um, what's the message to the guys, you know, to get ready for this game? Yeah. I mean, i Right now we're focusing on Maine right now because obviously yep. they're a top 10 team in the country. They're doing really, really good this year. So so is everyone in Hockey East as well, though. But um, I think we're, we're really we're just focusing on that, and then we'll focus on Saturday and Sunday, yep. and that will be all towards the uh, the Beaner and towards Harvard. But, um, yeah, I think we're just trying to keep our heads towards uh, Maine right now and not really focus too much on the Beanpot and just let that let that come when it comes. But, um, yeah, because Maine's going to be a really tough test this Friday. Yeah, man, you mentioned how loaded the Hockey East is this year. I mean, you guys are loaded yourselves, right? And, like, all these other teams, it's crazy how competitive the, uh, you know, Hockey East is as a whole. Um, I kind of want to go back to, like, your early years starting in mass prep. Um, obviously, 2017, 2018, um, you played a season at Lawrence Academy, um, which is unbelievable prep hockey in Massachusetts. 
Um, you know, you play all those other fantastic teams. But what did Lawrence Academy uh, do for your development? Um, and, and also, yeah, like playing in that prep league, what did that do for your, uh, you know, your development, whether it's, you know, on the ice, off the ice stuff? I mean, it did almost. I feel like it did everything. It jump-started me to the next level. Um, when I was going to Lawrence Academy, I didn't have any D1 offers yet. I had never visited school. I wasn't talking. I wasn't drafted in the USHL, anything like that. And it was uh, going to be the first time I was moving away from home, too, which obviously is a big step, like growing up a little bit. And so obviously that made me mature a little bit. But um, Coach Barker, who's the Lawrence Academy coach, he's been there for a really long time. He was the best guy ever for me. Um, he really helped me develop my game and just gave me a lot of confidence and getting to play with players like Sam Colangelo out there as well. And, yep. and like Riley Duran went through there, Braden Doyle, all a bunch of draft picks. Like yep. um, Lawrence Academy was just kind of a hotbed for the uh, past couple of years. And it was just unbelievable for me. And then after that year was over, after it was an unbelievably great year, we won small school. It was an awesome experience for me, but uh, I ended up getting drafted by Chicago and I went out there and went to main camp. I didn't think anything too much of it. And, they called me in after after camp, and they said I made the team. Obviously, that was a tough choice, um, but yeah. me going back and forth with my mom, uh, she wanted me to stay, but I uh, <laughs> finally won Forest, that right? battle. Yeah, finally <laughs> won that battle um, and got out there. And then yeah. that just – Chicago was unbelievable as well with all those with all the help I had out there, and, and it was just an unbelievable experience. Dude, still to this day, I, I, I think that Lawrence Academy is my favorite rink that I played in, you know, like coming up in maths, like – that rink is unbelievable. That ice is still to this day like it. It sits in my mind as my favorite rink. Yeah, it's so funny. And plus, like we like uh, the home locker room. Like we're not even in the the rink. We get dressed in trailers on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> and when you when you when to go shower, you got to run to the other building. And so even when it's snowing or rain, and you're just yeah. running outside, just a towel. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it feels great in the winter time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned your two years with the uh, Chicago Steel of the USHL. Um, you know, your first time away from home was Lawrence Academy, you being from, you know, Rhode Island. Um, you know, what what was being halfway across the country? Um, what was that adjustment like? Um, you know, and then similar to the last question, um, how crucial were those two years um, of you playing in the two, uh, in the USHL? They're two unreal years, um, obviously in 1819 and through 60 games, put up 20 goals, 23 assists for 43 points. And then the year after, in 45 games, 26 goals, 31 assists, 57 points. What did what did playing for Chicago do for your development um, to get you to the next level? I mean, it did so much. They had so much high end like talent, like just working with us. I mean, my head coach, my first year was Greg Moore. He ended up leaving with us out during my second year to go coach the Toronto Marlies because yeah. he was just so unbelievably good of a coach. And my GM Ryan Hardy, he ended up moving on to the Toronto Maple Leafs organization as well. Rock Sheehan just got moved to Notre Dame. All the people that worked there were just such high-end talent. They knew so much. And then we had skill development with Adam Nicholas and then um, Daryl Belfry. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but yep. they just they're just they think the game differently, and they just helped so much. They were there every two weeks, and then bringing out iPads with us, showing us clips right up, right there and then, and drawing us like different things. They're showing us what NHL players are doing right then in the league. And obviously, when you have all those resources in front of you, it's so easy just to just develop and you have so much time when you're on the ushl like um 
for me, like I know my first year when I went out there, my mom made me, uh, she made me go to school. She didn't let me do online school. She didn't want oh. me to have all, the, all that time on my hands and she yeah. didn't think I would do the schoolwork, which I mean, probably, I, I probably wouldn't know. So thank God. She's she smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it definitely kept me busy throughout the day, which obviously helped. Um, cause I remember some of the guys saying the days got long, but, um, it was unbelievable. Cause like, it was just, it helps you like, kind of like act like a pro a little bit. You get that pro lifestyle. Yeah. Um, in a sense where you're playing 60 games, you don't really get that opportunity to play that many games. I think my first year with playoffs, I ended up playing almost close to 90 games. And and like in college, you get 40 something games if you make it all the way to the national championship. So it's yeah. a big, it's a big difference. So um, uh, it's Chicago. It was, just, it was an unbelievable experience. I had billets that treated me like a second family. And like, I, I still talk to them this day. They actually went and watched me play in Milwaukee uh, a couple weeks ago. And so no it was way, just yeah, so it's unreal. So they, it's they still keep in touch. So it's it's awesome, and just the experience you get out there just helps you mature so much. So I I owe everything to Chicago, to be honest with you. You know, it is it is kind of crazy to think about. You know, you going away your first time really far away from home, right? I mean, um, I, I was going to ask you about the Billet family and and what your experience was like. Like, was it almost like a culture shock being away from home at first, and Kind of, you know, as you get to, you know, hang out with the boys and, and start playing hockey, it kind of you start getting adjusted to things like how were things right when you got there? Do you have a little bit of a hard time or um, were you able to just kind of ease into everything? Yeah, I mean, um, you always hear like these horror stories of kids playing yeah. and these billets. And so obviously you're, you're, you have all these crazy scenarios yeah. in your head and you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. But um, I was lucky, uh, lucky enough to have like uh, one of my teammates there with me in my first year as Neil Shea. I think you know. Yeah. I went to Lawrence Academy, with, so it was obviously easier having a teammate there with you. But I mean, the family that I lived with—they're called uh, the Silvestri's. They were—they welcomed me in right away. It was so like, welcoming. I had my own room, my own bathroom. I had there was a pool outside. It was nice, unbelievable. Dude. The whole Living finished base, yeah, whole finished basement, like ping yeah. pong table. They had, they had all the work, so it was unreal. And they let me borrow one of their cars to go to the rink. It was oh, nice. they, they treated me so well. And they yeah. she made dinner, and the, the mom made dinner every night. And it was just unbelievable. And, uh, um, my billet dad, he actually worked at a – he owned a chocolate factory. So he would always bring candy yeah, and stuff home. Yeah, so he'd bring candy <laughs> home every now and then and stuff. So it was just it was awesome. I, I, I love my experience out there, to be honest. I'm glad to hear that, man. <laughs> you, you mentioned it like you hear all these crazy stories. Like I've had a few guys on that. They were just like, oh, you know, it was fine. Like, you know, I got through it. And I'm like, oh, all right. Well, we'll yeah, next, I, next I, question, I guess. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had teammates that have had to move out. Like, and I've heard, I've heard stories of like guys moving out in the middle of the night, not telling their billets anything. And <laughs> I've heard some crazy stories. But uh, I, I, I owe it, like, my, my billets were nothing but special. They, they, I love them. They're, love they're them, awesome. Too. That's yeah. awesome, man. I love to hear that. Um, you know, you've had four incredible years at Northeastern. Um, obviously, you know, I, I went to school there for a couple of years and um, it's a great campus, great education, obviously. Um, but during your recruiting process, um, what specifically was it about Northeastern that drew you to their program and the school as a whole? Um, and then what what's been your favorite part about being in Boston? Yeah, so, I mean, I was. Actually, when I was originally committed to uh, uh, RPI on my earlier times, and I ended up decommitting because I didn't want to be that like far away from home. Because I was playing, like you were saying, we were just talking about, I was playing in Chicago for two years. And I think my mom only was able to watch me in person twice or three times the whole two times I was out there. The, the whole two years I was out there. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously hard for, I want, like, I want my family to be able to come watch me play. So that was obviously a big decision. So when I was 
visiting. I, I remember I visited Providence, but that was like a little too close to home. I, I thought yeah. like my mom was going to be be there. She'd been, <laughs> she'd, I'd be getting home from the, the rink and she'd already been to my dorm room. Like, yeah. I was like, what are you doing here? Um, but so then when I visited Boston, my sister was already actually going here at the time. She was on the women's team and yeah. I just, I fell in love with it right away. I mean, the coaching staff and Jim Madigan, Coach Keith, and uh, just, I knew so many players, like we just talked about Aiden McDonough and Sam Colangelo, Riley Hughes. There's so many guys that yeah. I knew like growing up playing with and playing for, and just, it was, it just felt right. Right when I, right when I stepped on campus and I just knew it was the place for me. So it was pretty easy. You, you know, you mentioned RPI. Were there any other schools um, that you kind of closely considered? Like you mentioned, you know, Providence, was that like the next school? Like if you weren't going to go to Northeastern, it, it would have been Providence. Yeah, I, I always because I always wanted to play in the hockey East. I think because yeah. like I was saying, like I wanted to be close to home, so I think I always wanted to be one of those clo- one of those closer teams. So I think Providence probably was definitely up there. They were one of the teams that talked to me a little earlier on after I committed, and um, they and Coach Lehman, he's an unbelievable good, good coach, and they have a great program every year. So it was pretty easy to look there and say like that was a school I might have wanted to go to. Um, and then obviously there's some powerhouses that reached out and, and things like that, but. Um, it just, you never, it just, it was just wanted to be close to home. Like that was the yeah. biggest thing for me. And I, uh, I wanted to play in that bean pot, like we talked about, yeah. cause I remember going back, like, like I was saying, like I, when I was eight years old, going there with my family. So, um, all those decisions kind of le- led into it. And, but, um, I'm glad I made this, this choice and it was the best decision. Off topic, dude. Like you, you mentioned Kevin Hayes bean pot. Like I remember exactly like what that, like, being there for that dude, like, it's literally my favorite tour. I can't wait for, for Monday, and um, it's going to be awesome. But um, So 2020, um, the NHL draft, your name is called by the Nashville Predators. Um, take us through that moment and, and what you remember from that day. Um, man, what was that feeling like? I mean, Nashville is such a sick city. Um, we actually just came back from there just on so much fun. Um, talk, uh you know, take us through what you remember from that day and then that moment, um, you know, hearing your name called. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, – that whole lead-up to that was insane because that was the COVID breakout and yeah. that changed everything because I was actually – I was out in Chicago playing my season. We got sent home during that time at that point. And um, that's when, like, rankings were coming out, but then rankings got skewed because of COVID and all that. So I honestly didn't know, like, what – the draft was going to come like I was in some rankings. I was high in some of them. I was lower in some. So I really didn't know what too much of the draft and what was going to come. But um, like I was saying, my, my, my friend, Sam Colangelo, he was uh, going to be a high, high draft pick. And I was at his house for the draft because it was all virtually. And um, he ended up getting drafted obviously early in the day, really high in the second round. And I was just kind of hanging around all day. I didn't really know too much. Text my agents and every now and then just kind of seeing what's the word. And, um and then finally I, my name got called by nashville and it was uh it was a great experience i mean you worked your whole life to uh get to the nhl and now i'm just one step closer and obviously i've been to nashville a couple times for development yeah. camp now and we'll see but um it's just they're an unbelievable organization down there it's nashville's an unbelievable city it's so fun down there yeah um but yeah it was an, a great experience i'll never forget that day what's your go-to place on uh on broadway i mean Kid Rocks is pretty hard not to pass. Yeah, <laughs> you're not a, you're not a Tootsie's guy. I mean, like that. I mean, that's just like everyone goes there. So yeah, it's like, you can't it's just even, like the one known bar. So you like, can't even move in there. I, like, yeah, exactly. That's usually like an end of the nighter, like usually morning yeah. time, I guess. 
But, but I mean, like so packed. But every like every single bar is fun there. Like they have yeah. live music going, and yeah, it's, it's crazy best. how like it's crazy how some of them like there's a band playing on each like there's a band on each floor playing. Yeah, it's like it's nuts, dude. We I saw um we went to um Nashville this past year. We saw Shania Twain, and it was just absolutely electric, dude. I was like, I never knew that it was gonna be this freaking crazy. Yeah, um, every day it's crazy down there. It seems like yeah, like a Monday afternoon, it's just like just as packed as like a Friday night. I'm like, this is wild, but yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned it was that COVID year for you know your draft. Um, what was that? You know, that process like, especially like the no combine. Um, you know, draft interviews. Like, what was that process like? And then also, I always like to ask if um. If you had any like bizarre draft questions, I love asking just because I've heard some like hilarious ones. Um, you know, I was comparing yourself to an animal or whatever, like some pretty hilarious answers. Did you have any bizarre uh, questions like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a little bit ago, so I kind of forget some of them. But yeah, uh, yeah it was like like you were saying, right? Like when it, COVID happened. So I mean, leading up to it, uh, there was like draft interviews in person. Obviously, during the year, you get called up to the offices upstairs, and every now and then you would talk to them and. It's always like the standard questions, like trying to figure out like who you are as a person, all that stuff. But um, yeah, like, uh, it was definitely a weird experience. Cause and then once COVID broke through and the draft got pushed back and everything, and no one really knew what was exactly gonna happen. It was all on the phone, getting phone calls or doing Zoom calls or whatever way you could get in touch. And it was a little, it was really interesting, obviously. But me, like I didn't. It was my second year eligible being in the draft, and I didn't obviously talked to too many teams once the COVID team COVID broke out because I think the teams were kind of focusing on the early rounds at that point because they didn't even know what was going on um but it was it was it was a weird experience but it was it was a great experience at the same time because um obviously it was just leading up to a great moment for me but um yeah it was fun uh, you've all, so you've gotten the opportunity you mentioned to go to uh, dev camp a couple times um what were your biggest takeaways from that week, whether it be on ice stuff? I know you guys do a lot of things off the ice as far as, you know, um, diet and workouts and just, you know, just learning how to be a pro. What were your biggest takeaways uh, from that week? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of takeaways. You, you're there with some high-end talents. Like I was – my first year I was there with uh, Philip Tomasino, and he's been playing the National Hockey League for the last two years, and he's on the power play. He's – yeah. top two lines top two lines. yeah he's a stud um so you, you get to play with guys like that and then you also get to play with um with college guys that are going through the same experience as you and it's, it's really interesting you should learn so much and then obviously they have so many resources there that you get to just take advantage of and that you could learn so much of and nutritionists that come in and they're making smoothies for you and they're showing you like yeah. how to do them and like they're um they're like I, I still get nutritionists calling me every like every month or so checking in i have a they have a mental coach that calls you every now and then and there's just so many resources that just like you just learn that you learn to like grow about and like that you just kind of get to bring back to college and just uh, keep learning more about and just get to pass on to your teammates, which is, which is awesome, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you know, I wanted to ask you a little bit earlier and I just completely forgot, but is there a player in the NHL right now that um, you try to emulate your game after and just kind of see a little bit of yourself in? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple of players I look at. I mean, um, like I was actually talking, like, I talked to Nathan Gerby, who's the Nashville yep. uh, forward development he's a coach. legend, dude. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. So, like, I mean, he's obviously very similar to my style. So, I've talked to him a bunch, and he sends me some players, but he was sending me like Zuccarello and um, Garland players, and then like LeBanc. Yep. 
those like smaller guys that still get inside and just be gritty and but are very skilled and can make plays and, and everything yeah. like that. So I like I like watching those guys and um it's it's always fun talking to Nathan Gerby though because he's a legend yeah. and he knows so much obviously and played he had a hell of a career. Those are awesome comparisons because yeah, like you mentioned, you're not afraid to get in there and, and muck it up a little bit, but you can you know you also put the puck in the net too. So those are great comparisons. Um, my last question for you, man, is, uh, you know, what would be your biggest piece of advice um, for kids coming up playing the game, um, you know, early on, kids playing, whatever, um, you know, for, for the kids that want to take their their game to the next level and play at such a high level, what would be your, you know, a piece of advice you would give them? Yeah, I would say, I mean, don't put too much pressure on yourself growing up. I mean, thankfully, like, um they moved back the talking to colleges to when you're later date. i remember when i was coming up like there was kids committing in seventh and eighth grade and i thought it was already a, a rush to commit that's and I was, crazy dude like yeah not even was, like <laughs> that's what i'm saying so i was like, <laughs> i remember i was i was rushing and i was like oh my god i'm already behind but no like it it takes a while i mean it develops everyone develops in different ways and everyone has a different path i think and it shows you can see that guys making into nhl at 26 years old getting their first game and there's guys yeah. playing the nhl at 18 you never know um, but everyone has a different path, but I think you just got to love the game and you just got to be able to work hard at it. And just every, everything you blocking a shot to scoring goals, you just got to love it and be able to just live, live hockey to be, to be honest with you, but you just got to have fun with it to be like, and not have to put too much pressure on yourself. Like I was saying, I remember growing up, uh, a lot of times you, you put too much pressure on yourself, especially in those younger days, you just want to yeah. have fun up there and just, just, just learn hockey and just, uh, play the right way. Yeah, I love that, man. Um, honestly, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of, you know, obviously a huge W uh, last night and, um, you know, with you had practice today. So I can't thank you enough for, uh, you know, for taking the time and coming on, man. I'm, I'm a big Northeastern guy, so I'll be, uh, you know, rooting for you guys. I can't, you know, I'll be in the building. So fired up for you guys. Um, you know, I wish you and the boys best of luck. I know you guys are going to, you know, kill them. And, um, yeah, dude, thank you so much for, for joining us here on Drop the Mitts. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. This was fun. Awesome, man. Thank you. That was Gunnar Fontaine from Northeastern. Um, Obviously, with the Beanpot coming up on Monday, huge game, um, 5 o'clock slate. You guys can tune into Nessa and watch that. Um, Definitely, definitely an unbelievable tournament. Um, So, again, can't thank you enough, man. Um, Hope you guys all, uh, you know, guys all take care and, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Thank you.